Today I'm going to make some comments on the chapter of the Bible we've been reading. If you knew we have daily readings in our, as a church, we put some daily readings because it's important to read the Word of God. And this month we're reading the book of Philippians and they're supplied by Jenny Smith. Normally it's a whole chapter, but it's just a verse or two a day this month so that you can ponder on it, remember it, focus on it for the day. And I'm going to read the first 11 verses of Philippians. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. Somebody says, we know Paul was a baker because he went to Philippi, but we're not going to go there this morning. Okay? You need to forget that. Okay. Though there'll be no ending for now. This letter is from Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the elders and deacons. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for you all with joy. For all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. I pray that your love will overflow more and more, that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. This was a really personal letter that Paul wrote. This was a church where he had a great affinity with or a connection to or a passion for. This was one of his more, uh, you guys, you're a local church in Philippi, and uh, this is a, a heartfelt letter Paul is writing. But it wasn't just personal, it was business, because it was writing to us today, because the Bible says in 2 Timothy 16, all scripture is inspired by God, a God-breathed. It's all inspired by God, and God used Paul to write this letter. He was actually in prison in Rome. I don't know if he was locked down, locked up, or locked in, but he was in a home. Presently, he was in prison inside a, a home in Rome, and he wrote this letter to this church, just a church in Philippi, the group of church or the church gathered in Philippi. And you know what he's writing here, I believe, is God's word for us as well. And his introduction starts with, uh, I'm writing to all God's holy people in Philippi, including the elders and the, the deacons. Uh, Hanky had to add that, and just in case they thought the elders and deacons weren't the holy people of God. Uh, okay, all you holy people, which does include elders and leaders in the church, guys, because whatever you think of them, they're still God's holy people. Just putting that out there. And he says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. What a challenge that is. This is an introduction. What a challenge that is. Paul writes, every time I thank you, I give thanks to God. You maybe think, I'm not quite there with everybody in the church life. Every time I think of them, maybe I'm not quite there with everyone. Well, here's your challenge 
today for those people who it is a struggle with, force yourself every time you think of them to think something about them that gives thanks to God for them. That is a challenge. And here's probably an even bigger challenge. Challenge number two, everybody else in your world, don't let them have to go through challenge one, but you live in such a way that every time they think of you, they give thanks to God for you. Now that might be a bigger challenge than challenge one. But what a challenge that is for us. That every time we think of people, and people maybe this week you think, mm, just think of something that give thank, you can give thanks to God for them. And you live in such a way where every time somebody thinks of you, all they do is give thanks to God. I know that's a biggie. Okay, moving on swiftly. Three big things he says here. Paul talks about a purposeful partnership. Okay, if Wally can appeal to the Rod Stewart generation, okay, a uh, little old-fashioned, but that's all right if you're here last week. Okay, I'm appealing to the younger high school musical generation, okay, because I had to suffer that for quite a long time when David was younger. We're all in this together, okay, if you remember it, wow, if you remember it, forget it for the next few minutes, okay, but Paul is writing here, and he talks about partnership, but it's a purposeful partnership. No, we all have partners and partnerships in our life, but they don't all produce there can be unproductive partnerships. There can be destructive partnerships in our life and in our world. And we need to be careful who we partner with. But to make it meaningful, it needs to be purposeful. You know, as a group, he's right here, your partners. You've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. I have a purpose about being partners together. And whether you like it or not, we are partners here at your life. We are partners in spreading the good news about Christ. We're purposeful, we're purpose to reach, inspire, serve, and equip. And if our purpose is to serve, let's get involved in the community on the 29th of July to show that. But we have a vision to strengthen and send people locally, nationally, and globally. That is something together that we're part of. It's a vision we are purposeful in our vision and what we're trying to do. And the reality is we know synergy means that we can do more together then we can do the sum of our individual parts. If we work together, we can achieve more. We need a purposeful, meaningful, productive partnership that Paul had with this church. No, God made us to connect. God doesn't believe in splendid isolation. God created us to connect, to partner. If you read Genesis chapter 2, one of the first things he says, it's not good for man to be alone. And he made women. But the statement, it's not good for man to be alone. God didn't create us to be alone. He created us to have purposeful, productive partnerships. And there was a powerful story in Judges chapter 18. And it's a place called Laish. And there were good people. It says they were peaceful, they were secure in their place. But then the people from Dan, men of warriors came from Dan, destroyed the town. They attacked with swords. They burned the town to the ground. Now, the men of Laish weren't bad people. They weren't doing anything wrong. But these bandits basically came and destroyed the town and attacked them. But this is what the Bible says in Judges 18, 28. There was no one to rescue the people, for they lived a great distance from Sidon, and they had no allies nearby. I.e., 
The problem was they weren't connected. They had no partnership. They were in isolation. They lived themselves. They were on their own. It was me and me and me and me and I. And because of that, they were vulnerable to any attacks. I want to tell you, in a spiritual sense, when we isolate ourselves and we disconnect, we're more vulnerable to attacks of the enemy. But when we're together and we're supported and there's people together and we're partners together, there's strength in partnership. In doing things, there's strength in partnership. Psalm 34 and 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Acts 2 and 1, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place and the power of God fell. They encountered the God and the Holy Spirit that we're going to encounter on Wednesday night. Be here if you can. We're coming together and we're going to encounter the living God. At the end of that chapter, all the believers were still meeting together. In Ephesians 4, 16, he makes Jesus, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each does its part, its own special work, it helps other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Paul talked about a purposeful partnership, but it wasn't just physically because he wasn't there. He was in Rome. But it's in unity, it's in purpose, it's in heart, it's in mind, it's in vision, it's in unity. And our purpose of one of our values is unity. We need to be a church which is purposeful, but together in partnership. Don't isolate yourself Get connected and be part of something greater than yourself. But to, within that collective purposeful partnership, we all need to make personal progress. Each of us should be on a journey of personal progress. Paul, only, Paul not only speaks about partnership, but a process. If you read the, what we read, it says in verse 5, you have been my partners from the time you embraced the gospel message. Because on to say, and I'm certain that God who began the good work in you will continue his work until it is finally finished in the day when Christ Jesus returns. There's a process here, there's a progress. And what he's saying here is, you'll never fully arrive. You'll never be complete. You'll never get there until Jesus comes back. You'll never get to a place where you're perfect, you're complete, you've done all that you could be, and be all that you can be, done all that you can do. There's a process that we need to embrace, and each one of us needs an attitude. I'm willing to go in a process, a progress to change and become more. I need to make a personal decision. I'm going to personally progress to learn, to grow, to be all that God's called me to be. It says in verse 9, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. John Christie, who's not well, we pray that he gets better. He's got a mantra. He says, I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Paul says we need to grow. You could say that he says, I embrace the challenge to be stretched and strengthened, to grow in my personal growth. The truth is today that everyone in this place is in a process of change. But we need to embrace a progressive change in our life, of discovery, of understanding, of growing in spiritual growth. Now, sometimes you go to a church setting, any church setting, there's a couple of dangers. There's a danger for those who are new to faith, are new in church, and they can look at those who have been Christians for 400 years or so and think, wow, I can never be like that. You need to recognize that those people used to be where you're at now. 
They used to be the you and where you're at now. And they're there to be an inspiration that you can get to the place where they have been. And not only that, you can go beyond where they've been. But there's also the danger that the other end, when you've been saved for 400 years, you think, well, there's nothing, I've arrived. Not one of us have arrived. We all need to embrace, we need to embrace no matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been followers of Jesus Christ, we need something within us. You know what, there's more yet. There's more yet. There's more yet for me to do. There's more yet for me to become. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, The Lord makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. I need to become more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. I need to grow more in my personality, my character than I am today. We can never say we've arrived. And if you've been in here and you've been in a church for 120 years, listen, let me encourage you to still adopt an attitude. I'm going on a journey. I want to personally progress. I want to become more. I want to achieve more. I want to be more. I want to be a greater example. I want more and more and more in my life. Growing in love, knowledge, and understanding. That means putting yourselves in situations to love, to grow, to understand, to keep in fellowship, to keep reading your word, to keep praying, to keep sharing, to keep doing, to keep growing in your walk with God. And sometimes a personal progress means making mistakes. It means I can learn from my mistakes. And sometimes we'll try stuff. Oh, we'll give something a go, we'll do something we're not comfortable with. And we maybe don't do it fully right, we think we've messed up. Sometimes we'll try and witness to something, sometimes we'll try and do something in ministry. And we think, oh, it didn't quite go as great. I can learn from that. But then we an attitude. Sometimes the enemy will say, oh, you went two steps forward just to go one back. No, you haven't. You went two steps forward to go one back. Okay, and two steps forward and one back is still progress. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out, but you, didn't try, you have never tried that before. You've you done something you've never done before. So you've progressed. And maybe it didn't work out completely, but you've not gone two forward and one back. You've gone, and sorry, you've not gone one forward and two back. What you've done is two forward and one back. And if you keep going two forward and one back, day by day, you're progressing and processing and growing and becoming bigger and stronger and greater. But do something. Sometimes we settle by our mistakes. Don't settle by your mistakes. Listen, sometimes we settle by our successes. Never be settlers. Settlers settle. Pilgrims progress. And we need to be people who are pilgrims, not settlers. We need to progress and we need to grow. In it all, we need a collective responsibility. We're partners together. We need to be partners who are not sleeping partners. We need to be partners who are purposeful. As a church, we believe we're purposeful in what we're trying to do. But we need everyone to play their part. But within that, every one of us needs to say, I'm not going to settle. I want to have a personal progression in my life. But in it all, we all need a proper perspective that Paul talks about. It's okay, not quite yet, in a minute or two. Okay. I told them to come up at that point, but that might encourage you more that I'm nearly finished. So, okay. Paul says, for I want you to understand what really matters so that you will live blameless lives till the day of Christ's return. That just gripped me, that phrase, my version. I want you to understand what really matters. What a powerful statement that is. He could have said, I want you to get a proper perspective of what's important in life. Merriam-Webster says perspective is the capacity to view things in their true relation or relative importance. Listen, if, 
every one of us in here will have a different answer to what really matters in life. To some it will be family, it could be career, success, fame, love, finding a life partner, getting so many followers on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Every one of us can have a different thing about what matters in life. Someone a whole lot wiser than me said some time ago, if you show me someone's bank account and their diary, I'll tell you what's important in their life. Don't need to speak to them, just show me the, what they spend the money on, where they spend the time, and that will reveal what's important, what matters in their life. Paul writes here and says, what really matters is living in the light of Christ's return. It's living for him. Now, all the things I mentioned are not bad in their own context. But if that's what your priority in life is, then you're missing out what the purpose of life is. It's about living for God in the kingdom of God. Everything else is temporary, but our relationship with him is eternal and lasts forever. This is what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. We sometimes don't realize how powerful that is. We don't really realize how powerful that is. One verse says, all these things will be added to you. If you put him first, if you make him your priority, if what really matters in your life is your relationship with God and his kingdom and his purpose and his value, he says, this is what happened. All these things will be added to you. He will give you everything you need. If you put him, right in your, put him first in relationships, he'll help you in every other relationship. If you put him first and honor him in your finance, he'll bless you in your finance. If you put him first as far as your career and your work is concerned, he'll help you and enable you in your career and your work. If you seek him first, if you make him your priority, not what you want, but his purposes, his kingdom, his values in your life, if you put him first, the Bible says, if that's what really matters, if you live every day for the honor of him and for his glory, for his honor, for his purposes, you know what? He will honor you and bless you in every other areas. If your growth in character is above your personal gain of popularity, if your love for God is above being loved by others, a living for that day when you meet him is greater than living for every other days where you stand before men, he'll bless you. If running your race bring, to bring him honor is more important than watching other people run their race or bringing them down in their race, but running your race well before him, if that's your priority, if that's what really matters, you know what God says? You do that, then I'll honor you in every area of your life. If that's your priority, listen, if it's living for him, yes, we're all in a process. And yes, we've got a goal when we stand before him. Every one of us has goal, but I heard a, a, a football manager who recently appointed, recently, and they were asking him about his goals, and he says, yes, we have goals, but I'm more interested in the process, because the goals are way up there. But if we live every day in the process of where we're going to achieve, we'll get there. But if we keep focusing on there, then we'll mess up the process. Yes, we've got goals. We want to stand before him. We want to see the world reach for Jesus Christ. But if we just live every day honoring him, step by step, and with a process with you today, from now I get up, Father, I'm going to honor you with my life, with my finances, with my relationship, with doing what I need. Every day, if I'm honoring him, you know what? That's a process that I'll achieve the goals that I want to at the end of the day. If I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, I need every day to go through a process to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Anyway, just throw that out there. Guys, you can come up now.
We're in a process. We're all in this together. But we need to ensure that our priorities are right. That we don't rely on our own strength. You know what? The beauty of what Paul is saying is, we're in this together. We've got a partnership of spreading the good news. We're all on a personal journey. But make him your priority in life. He says, you know what? You're not doing this on your own. You're not doing this on your own. We're together, but beyond that, I love this. He says, all of you share in God's grace with me. We sang a lot about God's grace earlier. I love the version I read here. It says, you share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and defending and confirming the truth of good news. I.e., in all that we are doing, we're partners. And Paul says, Paul, this is a great apostle. He's writing to the church. He says, I'm only what I am because of the grace of God in my life. And he says, and you share the same grace? Paul didn't say, I've got a different grace from you, in that sense. He said, we, we all share in the special favor and the grace of God in our life. And we only can do what we do. We can only bring glory to him. We can only do it because of the grace of God in our life. Because we've got grace in our life. And I love, he says, I'm going through a tough time here. I'm in prison. But you know what? My grace is still here. His grace is still available in difficult times. There's a time here that says, God, I'm struggling with this. Can you take it from me? And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. He says, my loving kindness, one version says, and my mercy are more than enough. They're always available, regardless of the situation. My grace is enough. See, here he talks about, in my imprisonment, or you could say, in my difficult life circumstance, in my everyday life, in my work, in my school, in my neighbor interaction, in my social interaction, in my finances, in my just doing life, God says, there's a grace available. There's a grace available for you. There's a grace available. Just going about doing life stuff. You don't need to do it on your own. God's grace has special favors on your life. His special favors on your life to help you in your everyday living. Just going about life. You're not like the neighbor next door. You've got the special favor of God. You've got the grace of God on your life. You've got His special favor on your life. Whenever you go place, you've got the special favor of God in your life. And it wasn't just his life in ministry. Whether it's in my imprisonment, my life circumstances, or whether it's in sharing the good news, whether it's in ministry, whether it's in my witness, whether it's in planting churches, whether it's working with Rise Kids, whether it's working with Rise Youth, whether it's in the worship team, whether it's student team, whether it's in it, wherever I'm doing, wherever I'm doing in ministry, I've got a special favor of God in my life. I'm not doing it in my own strength. I'm not doing this out of who I am. I've got a special favor. I've got grace of God. It's nothing to boast about because grace is not about me. Grace is me not worthy of anything, not worthy of anything, but God just empowering me with favor and grace in my life. Grace is just God giving to me what I don't deserve. It's God empowering me. That amazing grace we talked about. Listen, we came to faith by grace. We became Christians, but became followers of Jesus simply because of grace, not because we were all better than anybody else, not because of how good we were. We are nothing. The Bible says every one of us falls short of God's standard. We can't come to God. We can't accept forgiveness. We can't earn forgiveness. We can't receive God's favor except through grace. 
Ephesians 2 and it says, God saved you by His grace when you believe. By God's grace you've been saved through faith. It's not yourself, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. My salvation is absolutely nothing to do with me except I received the gift of grace from God. By faith, I said, God, wow, I don't deserve it, but thank you for your grace. Thank you for grace. Thank you for that saving grace. Thank you. And then here today, you're never being good enough, never be clever enough, never earn enough to earn God's salvation and favor. It's grace. It's Jesus Christ taking the punishment. And you're saying, wow, God, thank you for grace. Thank you for that grace which saved me. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, we want to tell you, it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. The same grace, Paul says, you've got the same grace that I had. The same grace that saved me, Kathy, Scott, David, Liz. The same grace is available for you to say, God, thank you for that grace. Thank you for saving grace. Today, where you are, if you've never experienced Jesus Christ, can we stand for a moment? not quite finished well I'm nearly finished every eye closed if you've never experienced Jesus Christ as your saviour you'll never earn enough you'll never be clever enough but today his grace is available his amazing grace Paul says I'm only here because of the grace of God Philippian church it's the grace of God that's what God's. it's the one door we come in we just by faith we say thank you for that grace if you want to receive Jesus as your saviour just put your hand up we want to help you. If you've never experienced salvation, you never asked him to be a saviour. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But you know, grace is not just a saving grace. It's an empowering grace. For every one of us here, there's an empowerment from His grace. It's an equipping, it's special favor on your life. Beyond the saving grace, which saved us, that grace is available for us to live and to minister in every situation. And I'm going to pray for an empowering grace to come upon everyone else. You might think, oh, I've, I've used up an awful lot of grace in my life. But James 4 and 6 says, he gives more grace. Scott, can he mention an old song this morning at the early meeting? It says, Out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. Aye, he giveth and giveth and giveth and giveth and give us. Oh, you're going to stop? No, I'm just going to keep giving. I'm giving. I can't help it. It's, it's, it's my character. It's my nature. I just want to keep giving and giving and giving and giving. But I don't deserve it. I know you don't. It's not about you. It's about me and my grace. And I want to give you and give you and give you. You might be going through stuff and you say, Lord, I need your grace to equip me. You might feel you're in prison. You might think you're just in difficult circumstances. Or you might just in ministry. You want to say, God, I need your grace. God, we just pray for your grace. I pray for a special grace to come upon everyone. As they do life this week, I pray for your grace. As they do ministry, I pray for your grace. And I'm just going to read 
what I read earlier the scripture before we sing a song and it's a prayer I'm just saying verse 3 every time I think of you I give thanks to my God whenever I pray I make my request for you all with joy for you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now and I want to declare this over you and I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns so it is right that I should feel for you, as I do about you all of you for you have a special place in my heart you share with me the special favour of God both in my imprisonment and the defending and confirming the truth of the good news and sharing in Presley and beyond in Kamna and the world. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ Jesus. Listen, receive this. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding for I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Amen. God bless you.